0: I just want to acknowledge before we really get started that uh we lost a local wrestler oh, who's yes. based in Nashville. He was a wrestler named Josephus who wrestled as The Question Mark
1: mm-hmm. and
0: Josephus in NWA. He'd been a local fixture around here. I don't I don't know what the final word on it is. I'm blessed. I've blessed have heard it's believed to be a stroke or aneurysm. And uh from all accounts of what I've heard, um I know Dutch Mantel Was quoted to saying something like that. Josephus was a guy who was really just too good a guy, and um, and I was and I talked to some friends of mine, um, Stuart, who you've maybe heard on Documenteers and our old podcast. I told him about Josephus because we'd actually talked about him. He happens to know him, and he told me that um, you know that he had a band with his wife and brother. He was in like some local national indie rock scene. He was in a band called Exist, X-I-S-T. They, he said that they played at Betty's often, which we don't get out that much, but these used to be our haunts when we'd be a yeah. little more active onto the scene. And he said that he we used to have like an improvisational band yeah. called P-I-F-P.
1: Right. And
0: I didn't know it at the time, but Stuart said that he was at some of those shows and maybe there was at one point where this band where musicians I didn't know would just come up and play and essentially I'm running around in like a diaper or some shit. Yeah. uh, Acting like a fool wearing a mullet wig, just singing whatever comes to the top of my head. And local musicians would just jump in, yeah, because they could just noodle around and do whatever the fuck they wanted. And sometimes it was a mess, but sometimes you made some acts, some interesting, noisy punk rock on accident. So I mean,
1: I I played bass in that <laughs> band one night. And I don't know what the fuck I was doing.
0: Um, but by all, I didn't know him that well personally, and it would have been cool to got get to know him more because considering my venture into pro wrestling and the fact that he was one, it probably seemed like it would be a matter of time before I got to know this guy. Yeah,
1: if we weren't in a pandemic.
0: If we weren't, right. So our hearts go out to uh, the friends and family of Josephus, uh, a real one and a solid guy by all accounts. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Welcome to this worldwide celebration of violence known as blood sport. This is the hardest hitting event in all of professional wrestling. A sacred ground for those who roam the earth in search of combat, to offer their blood, sweat, and guts the chance to be venerated in victory. When there's nothing left to do but fight, we come here to bloodsport. Boat, boat, boat. Boat, boat, boat. Death Rider on Kenta, Ultra rock. wrestling, wrestling. Hey, uh, welcome. Do you miss doing the weekly Weekend Wrestling episodes?
1: I'm okay with it. I think mostly because we did record one last week, and then we're recording an episode right now, so I haven't felt like we're not really recording.
0: It will probably work out (laughs) still that we do at least one a week. It just won't be based around that.
1: Yeah, it's just not the weekly. It's like the pay-per-views or the big news, which I actually really am excited about.
0: Yeah, and I think we can do like the fun side games in the future as well.
1: Oh yeah, um, don't you think that you're getting out of the name that tune
0: name that intro theme.
1: music game?
0: We got to have an all fun episode one week on a slow week, I think.
1: We got to have an episode about heels.
0: Yeah, there's because
1: I joined heels like <laughs> almost a month ago for this. Have I gone on there? Maybe once.
0: We will be all over it at some point. Mm-hmm. Also, Castle Attack for New Japan is this weekend. What? Horo- yes. Hiromu is out for six months. Uh, apparently, Marty Skrull... I thought... I misheard it first. I thought they were saying he was in Japan, but he actually was at some New Japan Strong tapings a couple oh. a couple weeks ago. I think Marty could probably fly under the radar better in Japan Mm-hmm. Considering you know the old uh, speaking out movement and stuff, because Marty's right. Marty's very interesting because he's kind of one of the few guys that was like, yeah, <laughs> 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 it was, mm. and, and then he called mm. you know technicality with rules at a point. It did happen like some time ago, but he, I mean, man, don't be like fooling around with people under God, not under like. I think 19 is too young even though they're like legal, you know, but at least like Yeah. But the but the age of consent was within the realm, so that was kind of his argument, right? But the way I have to go back to the 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 girl's story because it definitely has like a vibe like people be creeping on people, young girls trying to go to wrestling shows just to have a good time.
1: Yeah, see that's that's where it becomes really super creepy because legally regardless of whether or not we agree with it if she was of legal age and she consented to sex with him and he wasn't being a creep and they just like wanted to have some fun together that's legally nothing is wrong with that it still might feel creepy to us but legally nothing's wrong with that now if he was being a creep to her and he pushed himself on her or the situation was weird in any way then he's an asshole
0: yeah um there is, uh, like, I think uh, there's an account in this story, like I said, I should revisit it. We should have a whole Wrestlers Behaving Badly episode. Okay. Which could go on for five hours, <laughs> if I'm being honest. But a part of this story is an account of a friend who tracked her friend down uh, at the hotel that they were at. Oh, and, God. like, fucking reamed him out. Like, fuck you, don't do this, and yeah. all this. And, like, got her friend maybe a little too late. But the thing is, like, teenagers are stupid.
1: Yeah. They, oh, I know. And that's why the laws need to change, too.
0: Teenagers are stupid. They never think they're wrong. Mm-hmm. They always think they can handle everything. It's mm-hmm. it's not being insulting. It's like they're how their brains are wired. I mean, grown adults enough never admit that how they're wrong. But teenagers are guaranteed to not know what the fuck they're doing. This but act like true. they know what the fuck they're doing. Mm-hmm. So... To put the impetus on a teenager to make a proper choice. I agree. Is we, it's got to be our responsibility as grown ass people. I don't care what the laws say. If they got the word teen by their name, mm-hmm. by their number, then fucking treat them like idiot kids because that's what they are. You know, I understand. They're teenagers. They're growing up. They're at a certain age. They can look good mm-hmm. or whatever. But I think it's honestly, especially if you're an adult, that is not like a parent or relative of a specific teenager, sometimes the best thing that a grown person can do for a teenager is stay the fuck out of their way. Yeah. Or make them stay the fuck out of your way. Yeah. They're just really, because on an emotional level, there's nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll have friends, families, and relatives that have teenagers, and I'll love them, and I will help them to the bounds of their ability, but like random teenagers in the world like yo i ain't trying to hang with you kid like i ain't trying to be in you know but anyway like teenage- so
1: marty scrolls a piece of shit
0: who <laughs> will with a cool theme song i like his theme you yeah, know it yeah was, i i got a villain enterprises shirt at the ring of honor show it was my favorite wrestling shirt for a minute but I stopped wearing it when all this news came out.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean,
0: there's other people in Ring of Honor, uh, in Villain Enterprises. I guess Villain Enterprises is technically no more, actually, because Ring of Honor cut ties with them. So they're Brody Brody King is cool. Uh, Flip Wilson's kind of a, a moron on Twitter, uh, the shit that comes out of his mouth. But Isn't
1: Flip Wilson the name of, like...
0: Flip Gordon, sorry. Okay,
1: because Flip Wilson you, is, like, you older... Th-
0: you're thinking of the black comedian that would dress like a woman in the 70s.
1: I don't think I like your attitude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ooh,
0: glad you're back. <sighs> I thought you wasn't gonna get back. <laughs> yeah, a little boy blue. Yeah. My grandmother used to really like that yeah 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 (laughs) your grandma yeah um
1: (laughs) remember that one time when she argued that medea was a real woman
0: (laughs) oh yeah
1: (laughs) i took her to see hairspray in the theater yeah john travolta and john travolta was the mom and she was about it
0: maybe she's would be into divine i could see her Maybe think, I can see her thinking Who's that, that character. I, I could see her thinking that Divine would actually be a real woman though. She probably mm. would think Divine was actually a woman.
1: Well that's why she thinks like Medea, like we were trying to say Tyler Perry is Medea and she was like, No, Medea's in this movie. Yeah. We are like, No, Tyler <laughs> Perry's in the Medea movie. She's like, No, Medea <laughs> is the star of this movie.
0: This is our wrestling podcast, by the way.
1: Yeah, but this is more Culture. fun. Like we're having fun. <laughs> this is what the point is. Again, we'll go back to it. Marty's girl's a dickhead. Continue.
0: Yeah, and.
1: Uh, you shouldn't want to have sex with with anyone who looks like a child.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes I don't look like children. I'm saying you need to. Get, I know that you need to get your facts. You and gotta under- check
1: their license. The
0: responsibility. <laughs> you have a responsibility to sometimes protect a teenager oh, absolutely. By, by staying out of their way. And if you see them being taken advantage of, you cannot trust that teenager to make that decision?
1: No, it is everyone's responsibility to speak up if something yes. bad is happening. It's actually the law.
0: We're saying that this should be the status quo. I mean, there's certain states in, in in the US where you can be like 15 it's age not of okay. consent. We're saying this should this is what the established uh mode of the moral compass on the situation should be. You know what else is fucked up? Like what? exploding barbed wire death exploding matches. Exploding barbed
1: wire death matches are so fucked up.
0: This is all about John Moxley this uh episode. This episode a, is- a lot of it is about John Moxley, the renaissance man of wrestling, which I don't know if that's the right term, but like he's just kind of everywhere but in, in WWE, but he's been at WWE Yeah,
1: he's done it all.
0: Yeah. Someone pointed out that Paul White, a.k.a. The Big Show, has been signed to AEW to do announcing for another YouTube show for Yeah, and
1: apparently might at some point show up in the ring, from what I read.
0: But someone pointed out that if Paul White uh, ever won the AEW world title, he would be the first and only wrestler to win it in ECW, WCW, WWE, and AEW.
1: Like an EGOT. Yeah, yeah. When you have an Emmy, Grand, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. It's like a Wowie. He's going to be a Ka- yeah,
0: Kai-, <laughs> Kai Kaiji Muto has won the main championships for New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Japan Pro Wrestling, and Pro Wrestling NOAH. So, he's like a triple mm. company. He's the first person to do that. That's cool. So... Who knows? I don't. Tony doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's just gonna slap a belt on someone no. just for that reason.
1: Especially now, if he were to start doing some crazy shit with like the TNT belt, fans will get pissed. Yeah. And the W or the the AEW belt has to be serious. Yeah. So sorry.
0: So what we're talking about today, other than uh, people fadangling with super young people <laughs> and minors and the social implications of that. We're going to be talking about Josh Barnett's Bloodsport 5 which premiered about a week ago from Yes. And so we're getting to that now and we're also going to be talking about uh, Kenta versus Moxley, the long-awaited Kenta versus Moxley mm-hmm. for New Japan Strong this past Friday, which I'm excited to talk about, but also we've got an AEW pay-per-view around the corner, Revolution. Yeah. Do you remember who all was on the card at the last Revolution? Well, let me throw some things out. It was Moxley won the belt from Chris Jericho.
1: Right. That was one of the last things with a big audience.
0: It was the Young Bucks against Kenny and Hangman. They were attacking them. Also, it was like the Darby, the Darby Allen and Sammy, like their big climax of their feud, which is still one of my favorite feuds in AEW. Yeah, that was good. And it was, I believe that was um, MJF versus Cody. A big card last year, so Revolution has kind of established itself as so far AEW's one of AEW's biggest pay-per-views, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So and at that pay-per-view, it's going to be John Moxley versus Kenny Omega in an exploding barbed wire match.
1: So I was like, "What the fuck does that mean?" So
0: we we looked up an old FMW match with Terry Funk. Versus Atsushi Onita, to kind of prepare for that. And we'll talk about that a little later, too. That was really, actually really fucking cool.
1: It was really good. Honestly, it was one of the fav- my favorite things I watched this week.
0: So, yeah, let's talk about this Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. Now, this was different. It was. Now, you're go ahead and give your overall thoughts on it.
1: Well, first off, it threw me because I had no idea there were not going to be any ropes. It was very quiet. That's to be expected. It seemed to be sort of in like a warehouse space. And each man came out and they just fought each other. But because there were no ropes, there were no like bouncing moves, no high flying moves. It was just a lot of like on the mat wrestling, which was cool. These matches were very short. Yes. Which on one hand, you're kind of appreciate like, let's get to the point. I thought the rules were kind of cool because they had like, these are the rules. It yeah, was like yeah. the match was over either if you
0: knock out or submission. It was
1: knock out or submission. The and ring. the ref can, in the ring, and the ref can determine if it's a knockout. Like the ref can stop it. Like if you don't submit, the ref can say, match over. And if you're out of the ring you have your time to get back in the ring, but you have to get back in completely unassisted. Someone can't throw you back in. Mm. Otherwise, you get counted out and the match is over. And it was like no biting, no low blows, Mm. something else. No eye gouging. Yeah. And I was like, that's really cool, especially in a match like this, because you would think this would be a time where you might be, like, trying to, like, stick your thumbs in somebody's eyeballs or something. But overall, I have a great respect for what they're trying to do. An and ex- I think there was some real good talent, like amazing talent. I don't think it's my thing. Yeah, yeah. Because, to be honest, I, part of why I'm there is the story mm. and the big moves. Yeah. And there's zero story here. It's just, here comes this dude, here comes this dude, we're fighting. Fight's over, there goes that dude, there goes that dude. Like, it's very
0: I think some of the story, fast. We. I mean, this is our first... Josh Barnett's blood sport that we watch. Mm-hmm. There's four more, mm-hmm. um, and I know there's some story in terms of like win losses. Like uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr., who's in the main event with Mox, was mm-hmm. undefeated uh, in this. So there's kind was, of a story. Oh well, yeah, was. <laughs> uh, it, so there's kind of a story there, and you know, this story is purely in the ring. And but that's the thing when you're go- especially when you're going in, you're not familiar with something like how does it grab you like GCW is basically like uh this which has put which is put on this blood sport show this is a GCW mm-hmm. side thing when we watch it we are seeing wrestlers from all over that we love so we kind of carry that with us but because everyone's kind of going in and out they don't they only have time to develop the stories in the ring personally. It's not like AWWE where they're building up whatever stories and we can decide on it like that. So when you go in and out of these kind of promotions in that style where it's not going to have the same person every time. I mean, GCW has some aspects of it like the 440, Ricky Shane Page, and uh, some of the hardcore guys. They've got storylines going. With... But
1: they also do promos. Yeah. So between, even if I don't know you, we were just talking yesterday about how I love that guy whose name I can't say schlock Slex, Slex. i'm so sorry <laughs> Slex. i actually really think you're really cool but i cannot say your name i can't remember it for some reason we were talking about him and i liked him the first time i saw him and it, he did like a really hardcore match but then he talked for a minute afterwards and yeah. i was like oh i love this guy yeah sometimes for me it's literally just one moment of a person like having an emotion or being fun i don't know like i fall in love with people based on their personality And so, in GCW, even if I've never seen you before, I can fall in love with you during that match because of your personality. Sure. What we did not get here was personality from anyone except, like, Mox. Sure. And maybe the other guy that fought Mox. Because I feel like that match, they took a little more time to come out and be like, I'm the shit. But nobody really before that did that. It was just, this is my skills.
0: I don't know if I necessarily agree with that 100%. Okay. But like there were some people, but I also might be bringing just a little knowledge of certain individual wrestlers into it. Mm-hmm. But let, let's talk about it yeah. like, more specifically. And I know this does. I, I heard Mox talk about this in an interview, and he and he kind and, and he did talk me into buying this pay per view, and it was interesting because he was talking about like this is something that seems to be flirting some, somewhere between pro wrestling and MMA. But not too much on the MMA side. Remember, uh, they had the Raw Underground, where Shane McMahon was trying to do Raw Underground. It seemed like they were literally trying to do fake MMA and Raw Underground. And it was, like, embarrassingly corny. As shit.
1: It looked like a terrible low-budget film Absolutely. about wrestlers trying to start a fight club.
0: I think Josh Barnett's Bloodsport is like a better version of that because it appeals more into the pro-wrestling side and the way the match is finished alludes to MMA. But what we watched was pro-wrestling, but mostly just like mats and holds and counters and mm-hmm. stuff like that. There was still all that. But I kind of agree with you in a certain sense, like I respect experimentation, I respect that these this Bloodsport series is trying to find something new, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if we, you know if we get the Bloodsport 15, like what it's going to look like. It could be like have a totally different vibe, you True. know. You know, if you're an MMA fan, which I don't watch it, I have nothing against it. I think I'd watch a big pay per view if someone else bought it.
1: I watched a big pay per view once,
0: but people know what a real fight looks like. So yeah. if you try to do fake MMA, that's just not going to go over well. So fortunately, these are all talented pro wrestlers. And it just so happens that a lot of these guys, former MMA guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up we got was Bad Dude Tito versus Calder McCall. Yeah. And this was, a lot of this is just like good mat wrestling, like throughout this thing. But yeah, bo- totally. But, Ma- but McCall wins with a sleeper. He yeah. just put him, put him right under. And Mox pointed this out, like he wanted to go for something that seemed unpredictable. It was
1: totally unpredictable. Yeah,
0: it's not like, oh, he's setting up that finish. You know, he did this, so now this goes like that. He said he wanted to establish something to where suddenly, like, it could change. And then suddenly it was over. And I feel like what we've seen of Mox, especially when we talk about this Kenta match, Uh and one other thing that I'll mention when he wrestled Nick Camarado in AEW, Mm. that I think he was kind of going for that in those matches as well
1: the the aspect of this that you were just describing about it feeling unpredictable i actually looked at you at one point and said is this decided because i would have believed it if you told me they all signed up to just see who the fuck could win
0: oh interesting because
1: it felt it felt more real hmm. as far as that goes it did not feel like anything was predetermined
0: that's that's interesting yeah that that might say that tonally, what it's trying to do, it's approaching something that might be successful in its own way. But i got to be honest. I can't imagine anything other than pro wrestling diehards watching this.
1: No, I can't either. And I would watch it again. Like, if we want to do Bloodsport 6, I'm I'm down to watch it. But, yeah, I feel like I'm still on the fence. I think it might be like an acquired taste that I just Mm. don't have yet. I could see myself... By Bloodsport 10 or 11 being like, this was so great, but I, I'm not there yet because it's so different and new.
0: And it is awkward without ropes, you know. And no one got whipped into a post, so no one's whipping each other around.
1: Honestly, I was scared about that. <laughs> I actually had that thought at one point that someone's going to get seriously injured. No one did. They were very not on there. But then it, to me, why aren't you just on the floor? I mean, I guess you have to have the, the ring to, like, be out of to get back into. But sure. It just seemed like you could have actually done like a classic like wrestling match with a line on the floor. Sure. Which might have been really cool.
0: Second matchup was Calvin Tankman, who we've been seeing in GCW versus Nolan Edwards. Some
1: of the graphics were, once one of the graphics was just huge and off the screen and then sometimes it was incorrect, but you know. I'll
0: have to play it, I can't describe it, but Nolan had like this 60s music theme
1: Back here in Bloodsport, our unspecified location is our next matchup here. will feature Nolan Edwards and whoever Nolan Edwards
0: is fighting, we saw him take Uh, A real beating last time out as he was thrown against the brick wall. He's going to give up a lot of weight, and tonight is no different, Josh. Yeah, he thought he was giving up a sizable weight advantage before against the Grizzly Jack. Edward here is giving up even more so. Indie wrestlers will often come out to just whatever song they're into at the time. And this even Mox did. He came out to like holes of violets that song the calvin tankman versus nolan edward was more of a striker aspect and nolan gets in in like a nice headlock and tankman counters and the match is called just because tankman's got him on the ground and he looks like he's just decking the shit out of him after that we had cal jack versus super beast interesting matchup looking at super beast he just he definitely looks pro wrestler. He's got this mask on, and almost he almost looks like a like a lucha villain in a '70s cartoon. It, Super Beast is doing uh, all these tornado kicks. You think he's gonna do a lot of ground game, but he's kind of trying to do a lot of like acrobatic action. Where Cal Jack is keeping it more to the ground, and Cal wins that one with a side choke headlock. So a lot of these are just like the ref calling because someone's just getting pounded in the mm-hmm. head, or someone just like. Often gets submitted or taps or just straight up gets knocked the fuck out. We got Royce Isaacs versus Alex Coughlin. Alex Coughlin is a young lion. He's still wa- he's still rocking his Shibata black trunks yep. here. Uh, there's really good mat wrestling here. Coughlin breaks a clover leaf by climbing out of the ring. We get Coughlin in a headlock and then Royce. Of does that, um, sonata like a skull in when Sonata does a skull in. I forget what they, I forget what all the holds are called, but he taps Coughlin. And Coughlin, and here's a part that is story that will probably matter to future blood sports is that, um, Isaacs tries to, Isaacs who did a great job in this match, both these guys did, I thought. He reaches out to shake Coughlin's hand, and Coughlin refuses, yeah. So that's story right there, Coughlin. He's also rocking a cop stash right now. Alex <laughs> yeah. and And it kind of works for him, i got to mm-hmm. say. After that, it was Simon Grimm versus Rocky Romero. Yeah. And Rocky, you know, I watched Rocky do this move on New Japan Strong about a week ago where he kind of like suplexed someone. It wasn't like it wasn't like a, what do they call it, the broken arrow, but like reverse where the feet are out.
1: Mm. And when
0: Rocky slammed him, he immediately went into an arm bar. And he did it so smoothly. Mm-hmm. Like We don't see Rocky wrestle enough. But this is like a lot of countering chain wrestling here. Rocky sells really well. Um, he hits with an inseguri Suplex into an arm bar. That's, he did that move in this match. It looks so good when he does it. And Simon, like, Simon forearms himself out of holds. And he catches a knee but hits a suplex. And there's a lot of conversions but Rocky wins with an arm bar. Then we have J.R. Kratos versus Chris Dickinson. Both of these guys, I think, are going to be big stars. Yeah. And I'm really excited about these guys.
1: Dirty Daddy.
0: Dirty Daddy, who lost to Ren Narita in New Japan Strong last Friday, which was a shock. Ren (laughs) Ren Narita's coming up. I think he's going to be graduating very soon. This is also very strike. Oh, that's
1: right. We saw the very end of that. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yes.
0: It's also very strike, heavy a lot of locks, and Chris Dickinson manages to tap. J.R. Kratos, which I was uh, surprised by. I, 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 didn't, I didn't see that coming. I thought Kratos would get that one. Mm-hmm. Another really good match I enjoyed a lot was former MMA legend Tom Lawler. Filthy Tom Lawler. Right. Versus Jeff, who can do no wrong Cobb. you put. Him I in,
1: love Jeff you, Cobb. You put Jeff
0: Cobb in a ring and he will get it done. Also, it says like Pampers on Tom's ass. Uh,
1: that was ridiculous.
0: Tom has been on New Japan Strong with his Team Filthy gimmick, and he's all over MLW. He's probably, like, one of the biggest stars on MLW right now, the way he's coming up. But this is the first—I haven't seen Tom wrestle too much. I've seen him, like, go out and, like, talk shit to people. I've seen him do a lot of promos. And I I thought he did a really good job in this match. I feel like Bloodsport really works for what Tom Lawler brings.
1: I thought this was one of the better matches for me. Mm-hmm. His panties were stupid though. It said Pampers on the back, and then on the on his dick, it it looked like it said Durex. Yeah, yeah. And then on his hip, it said Eve in the Summer's Eve douche font. <laughs> it was it was a lot. Like he was being sponsored by those things.
0: And it don't yeah. hurt Tom Lawler that he's in the ring with Jeff Cobb, who can do anything. A lot of great exchanges here. Cobb gets a nice suplex and another. Lawler sells really well. He's a good heel. But uh, Jeff Cobb gets in a full Nelson, and he taps Tom, Mr. Filthy, Tom Lawler out. And that's when we get our main event. Now, remember, Davey Boy Smith Jr. undefeated. And I actually really enjoyed this main event quite a bit.
1: Yeah,
0: Um, I felt like these matches, in a way, um, almost were, one was a little better than the next one. Like, when it first started, I was like, okay, all right. And then as it kept going, like the buildup I thought was actually pretty nice. So, but Mox walks out to holds the violets. i been here in moments. John Moxley, one of the biggest stars in pro wrestling anywhere against Davey Boy Smith Jr. Two guys that don't need introductions. I'm going to give them to you anyway. But Josh, this was a fight that people have marked their calendars and it's about to happen. Well, the person marking it the most would be Davey Boy Smith Jr. season. Purposely asked for this man. Uh, they point out that Davey is undefeated and he has challenged Mox. The drama here is super good. We got blood going on. Mox is bleeding.
1: Oh, a lot yeah, actually. A lot.
0: Uh Mox attempts a sharpshooter. Davy kicks out some good toll holds toe holds by Davy. Then it's like a real slap fest. And Davey Boy Junior is someone who's he's also been in the MLW and stuff. I hadn't he's the British Bulldog's son. The, or, the oh. original British Bulldog's son. Okay. And so he's, you know, connected to the Hart family and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Like, and, I, and I figured, of course, he'd be a good wrestler if he's grew up around the Harts and he's fucking the British Bulldogs kid. But I thought he did a really good job. This was the first time I really it saw like him do a like he said he's
1: fucking the British Bulldogs kid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's... If Bringing he, it back around. Well, when he masturbates, he does, I suppose. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> You consider masturbating. Yeah, I guess masturbating having sex with yourself.
0: Yeah. So uh, Mox take gets a knee to his guts. There's a double arm DDT that Mox hits him with, and this knocks Davy out. Mm-hmm. That's how the match ends. Mm-hmm. Mox hits a double arm DDT, and Davy does not get back up. And then Mox gets up and cuts a bloody, wobbly promo. And up. rest of life, hardest setting, in your place. Wrestling in the world!
1: He's just real good at selling.
0: He is good at selling.
1: And he does this I can't stand up thing when he's selling.
0: And we've seen John kind of sell a lot, like, randomly to a lot of people. hmm But, like, the balance on that match really worked. But Bloods, this was 20 bucks, So it's Kinta versus the Death Rider, John Moxley, on this past New Japan Strong. They've been building that up. Kinta appeared much to the surprise of wrestling nerds on AEW Dynamite a few weeks ago. It was
1: so cool. There were screams in our house.
0: I feel like leading up to this, to the last minute, there really wasn't much mention of it this past Dynamite. that mm-hmm. Mox, was, They mentioned it the week before. And I remember when Kinta premiered, I think they even... It was like, I felt like AEW kind of forgets to say specific things like, oh, this is because they were acknowledged at first that Kenta is going to be facing Mox for the IWGP US belt, but it took them like a week or two to say where that was actually going to be because AEW fans who aren't up on New Japan would probably think it was going to
1: be on AEW. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I could understand that confusion if that was the case. So it seems like this is a no DQ match between Kenta and John. It's for the belt. But the pin's got to be in the ring. I Well, I, I don't want to say no DQ because they can hit each other with chairs. I guess like a street fight style. But there is count outs because they, are, they did try to count out at one point.
1: But they didn't start counting until both men were laying on the ground outside the ring.
0: Yeah. It wasn't... They were
1: outside the ring a long time before that count started. And then it was a fast count. It was bizarre.
0: They gave Kenta a lot here.
1: They really did. And... I know I said a minute ago about Mox selling. Mox was a little more. This was a very interesting thing to watch after having watched Bloodsport because this was a sillier Mox, just a little bit, you know. Like he was a little sillier. I thought like selling a little bigger than I've ever seen him sell yeah, before. Yeah. Because I haven't watched Mox on New Japan except maybe like once before, mm. maybe at the start of us watching wrestling because he was mostly here in America for AEW. Right. And, I don't know, it was interesting to me to see him be, like, a little more silly.
0: Well, what you mean by that is, like, he was playing dazed at one point and just swung wildly in the air. Yeah. Near nobody. Yeah. And I I don't think we had ever seen him do that specifically before. This match starts off, and like we said, Kenta gets a lot in. The first, like, ten-plus minutes are Kenta just whipping the shit out of John. Yeah, yeah. There's one point where uh, Mox goes in for a suplex on the outside and Kenta blocks it. And he doesn't do it with that, like, uh, like bend to the ground. He actually, like, uses his leg to make it look like he's countering it. Like, he kind of counters it how one might actually try to counter it. And then Kenta hits a suplex on Mox. Then Kenta DDTs Mox onto the IWGP US briefcase, Mm -hmm. which Kenta is using to challenge for the belt. And then we get the good old Kenta foot slap, slap where he... He looks like he's going to stomp you on the face, but he just steps right outside and then slaps your face with his foot. It's after that where Mox is dazed and starts punching the air randomly. We get a lot of Kenta kicks. This is classic Kenta. Mm-hmm. A lot of strong kicks. Um, Mox grabs one of the kicks. and Mox hits a dive. At one point, does a diving lariat onto Kenta to the outside. Yeah. All- this match is pretty good. And one of the better matches I've seen Kenta in in a long time, since he debuted at New Japan, because we said this in the past, he's kind of been a mid-card guy. I like Kenta's style, I like his attitude, and I like his history. Yeah. But, like, I won't say that all matches have been bangers here, especially in the New Japan system where, like, a big show will be, like, match of the year, like, easy. Well, box sets up a table, and Kenta hits him with the U.S. belt. This is all seemingly legal. And lays box on the table. And then... an elbow drop, which looked brutal.
1: It looked so brutal, but it felt like it took a really long time for him to do it. Sometimes those spots are hard for me where someone just lays waiting to be jumped upon.
0: So then Kinta goes back into the ring. Mox is laid out, and that's when the counting starts. Yeah. It's 20 count with Japanese rules, and so Mox barely beats the count in a dramatic moment. And then, uh, but Kinta gets Mox on the mat again and does that, like that uh, coup de gras like mm-hmm. Finn Balor does and double stomps Mox.
1: Yeah, that was good.
0: Kenta looked really good there. Uh, Mox counters with a s- submission into a bulldog choke and then Kenta converts into a uh, a yes lock, which is, I guess that's what you call it. I know Daniel Bryan does it. <laughs> Mox is taking slaps and slaps and he DDTs and Kenta kicks out. Kenta is now reeling because now it's this point where Mox got beat, beat, beat. And then every lariat and every DDT yeah. that Mox is hitting is, like, coming off as devastating. Kenta's getting in more moves. But what Mox is doing is seen, is is being told, like, it's just hitting Kenta, like, brutally. Because yeah. he's the fucking Death Rider. And so... He's um, the
1: boogeyman.
0: So Kenta double flips Mox off. And that's when Mox hits his Death Rider, which... It's like an angled DDT. Uh, they call it the paradigm shift in AEW. Right. And John Moxley retains the IWGP United States belt. Wait a minute, Death Rider! Oh, he he did Death Rider on Kenta! Leg hook two! And, and he it's does it. over! Time, 14 minutes and 25 seconds. Here is your winner, and still IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion, Death Rider, John Moxley! We were talking before on who would win, and you thought maybe that they would take it off of Mox.
1: Yeah, we had talked about that leading up to this for a while because, well, we just didn't know what was going on, and we thought at one point that Mox might end up going to Japan, and we thought if he had to go to Japan, he might lose it. Because they might want to keep it over there. Right, right. But it makes sense to keep it over here. It's the U.S. champ.
0: I think now it's the, the NJPW strong belt at this point. You know, the U.S. belt, too. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it makes sense that it would stay here and not go. And why not let Mox keep it? Everybody fucking loves him. Like you said, he's hot as shit right now.
0: Well, New Japan definitely has, you know, you wouldn't blame them if he was gone, if they vacated that belt, but they chose not to. this gave tony khan an opportunity Mm -hmm. to be able to work with new japan so it's so new japan sees something very strong in moxley they Mm -hmm. they like i mean you understand i mean he is outside of the wwe system he is the biggest wrestler in north america i think only then you have to go to okada or hiromu in japan to like their equivalent, but he, but he's in Japan. Yeah. And if Mox could go anywhere, he'd probably be showing up at fucking A or CMLL yeah. as well. Hell, he was gonna fucking wrestle David Starr at WXW in Berlin before the uh, the pandemic mm-hmm. popped off. It's storming here right now. Our little doggy is scared. Yeah. I thought this match was really good. I thought the drama was here. It's one of my favorite modern kenta matches by the way i love kenta's theme song i think it's cool
1: you said the same thing after the match that he had at AEW. yeah he's just on fire in the u.s you know why i think it is what he, he draws he draws strength from his new favorite city in the world <laughs> orlando florida
0: kenta's gear his new bullet club gear <laughs> has like the state of florida on it and it says orlando on it it's so funny to see him just because it's where he lives now he's uh, and it's just it's just very humorous to me how like enamored with Orlando Kenta yeah. has become. That's the weird thing with Florida it's it's draws people who aren't from there. So Florida is just like a a mass of like people from like a lot of people from the northeastern United States. Yeah, are like all a mass o- of people all, from mass. Yeah, are all <laughs> over Florida, and then you got like you know our parents and stuff who are like. Always going to Florida throughout the Mid-South. Mm-hmm. And then you got like the center of Florida, which is as redneck as, you know, <laughs> every place else. So it's... And so, yeah, Kenta, Kenta's digging on Orlando, the gr- the greatest city. Orlando, right? and it
1: goes, Orlando. No, that's not right.
0: Orlando.
1: Orlando. We're trying to remember how it... Y- this is not a good, that's not a good Venn diagram of people who might listen to this show and people who know the Book of Mormon <laughs> musical, but it's one of the few musicals Bobby likes.
0: Yeah, it's one of the few I've, you Cause know. it's
1: a South Park musical. I'm getting
0: through some, though. Guys or and Dolls. Or it's written by the
1: guys of South Park. Guys
0: and Dolls is fun.
1: Guys and Dolls is fun. Very problematic nowadays. Sure. A lot of that shit is, though.
0: Uh, was it, is that thing from 50 years ago problematic? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So John Moxley will be wrestling Kenny Omega at Revolution on the 7th in a barb- barbed wire exploding death match. So we wanted to we wanted to dip our toes into the barbed wire exploding death match. Yes. I don't I don't think it'll be quite like what we saw, but it, it better be. <laughs> it
1: better be at least what we saw.
0: I don't think it'll Plus, end, I don't think it'll be that emotional at the end, which was my favorite part of this match.
1: I loved this match. For so many reasons.
0: So this happened in FMW with his Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, which was founded by Atsushi Onita, who was wrestling Terry Funk here. And they are, yes, doing a barbed wire exploding death match. I think this match took place in 1993, if I remember correctly.
1: I believe that is what you told me.
0: If if you remember what I told you,
1: I remember what you told me. That was the extent of the research I did was asking you questions.
0: Uh, FMW went defunct in two thousand two. I noticed that this show seemed to be fairly packed, and yeah, there were a really lot. Packed. And there were a lot of teenagers there. Um, so it kinda I wonder how
1: you know that because it was so blurry. How do you know there's a lot of teenagers there? I
0: watched this match a couple times, but I could see enough. Okay, there were, but that meant it was hot at the time. This Hell like, yeah. It was like uh, Japan's version of ECW or something, which is interesting because De- Terry Funk had some years over at ECW. Right. So it makes sense that that would be a good fit. Uh, but yeah, the-, the legend Terry Funk, who wasn't doing very well health-wise a few weeks ago. I hope he's doing much oh, better. Oh, I do too. His brother was at a, na- a Dynamite taping. Yeah, our thoughts are with Terry. He's a legend. Yeah. A hardcore legend. And
1: Who's his brother?
0: Dory Funk. Okay. Terry Funk and Dory Funk Jr.
1: Dory Funk.
0: This, what I like about this match is that it is pure dramatic struggle. Like it wasn't like move on, you know, I think Kitty and Mox will probably be a lot more move heavy. That's how AEW has established their style now. But this one was just like holding the head up to the barbed wire and like shaking with tension. Yeah. In some ways, this match wasn't that long it it seemed like it took freaking
1: It had a timer. Yeah. So a lot of it was not actually holding the face against the barbed wire, just really close to it. Like yeah. oh, I'm gonna shove your face in and that tension. Which is which was really great. Like it built really good tension. You did see early on they were very smart because early on there was a moment where he where Funk pushed say his name?
0: At Onita
1: At Onita into the barbed wire so yeah. that he starts bleeding and you see it actually explode so that's when you know for sure like it's an electric fucking fence
0: yeah i think it's With electric bar- yeah it
1: is there's no other there's no other uh. there's no other thing it could be it's mm. an electric fence or it's an electrified wire but it's that same concept right yeah and so it's an electric thing where when you touch it it burns because he had like burn marks on his arms and legs right. and he was bleeding from the barbed wire.
0: And- There were real explosions. I mean, they're positioned in a way where, you know, but it it was enough explosion to get some ash on them and shit.
1: Well, and when... I mean, it was exploding when contact was made. Mm. And then there was another point where, like... Well, it's towards the end. But Terry actually, like, goes into the barbed wire and it, like, flips over and he ends up, like, on the floor.
0: And Sushi takes the... And it is
1: a lot of sparks.
0: The first... Three blows on the wire getting thrown into the... Atsushi takes them all. And Terry's doing, like, beautiful pile drivers, classic bionic elbows. That was Dusty's big move. Mm. Uh, Knee drops and shit. Atsushi takes a second blow on the wire. It's causing an explosion. Terry follows it with a chop. And then there's a beautiful Atsushi suplex. And Terry's on the floor. uh, I've never seen this. Atsushi's on the ground. And Terry's on the mat as well. They're both on the mat, and Terry does, like, a he does this scramble crawl and, like, crawling headbutts at Sushi, like, as they're on the mat. Oh, yeah.
1: That was crazy.
0: There's a lot of headbutts in this match, but that move particular was so interesting. I'm surprised I don't see that more often, like... uh, like, two guys down on the mat, they're totally destroyed, and one dude just, like, fucking, like, dog crawls as fast as he can, slapping his head against your face. Mm-hmm. That, it looked really cool. Terry's super dazed and does a beautiful spiking DDT on Atsushi. Atsushi is headbutts Terry, and Terry puts, but when he goes for another headbutt, Terry moves and flips Atsushi through the third wire. Terry has not gotten blown up at this point. And then a countdown begins for, how long was this countdown? Five
1: fucking minutes. <laughs> this, at first it was like a wah, 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 wah for four of those minutes. And then the final minute it was just like
0: wah. Like a like tornado was, siren, yeah.
1: The worst. It was horrible. Five whole minutes.
0: Atsushi just straight up starts swinging. Terry headbutts. And then they're just headbutting each other back and forth. And then atsushi finally is able to kick Terry into the wires, establishing a, Terry getting into the explosion up against the barbed wire. Then there's like a fa-
1: gets tangled all up and falls out of the ring.
0: Then Atsushi hits a DDT and gets the pin with like what is it like three minutes left, and Terry gets up. The match is technically over here, yes, but Terry starts to choke him with his bandages and he attacks the ref. Also, describe what the ref was wearing. Okay,
1: so the ref, what I had said at the time was that he looked like someone was wearing a beekeeper's outfit but painted silver. Yeah. He was covered, every inch of him was covered except for his hands. Yeah, he had like silver pants, a long silver jacket, a silver helmet with like... A mask coming out of it that went down to cover his, like, shoulders almost. It was very bizarre.
0: He looked like he was keeping bees if bee, if the bees were stored in a nuclear power plant. There
1: you go. It was very... I mean, he was being protected.
0: Terry uh, attacks the ref and grabs the ref's hat. And at sushi... Oh, yes! And then, and then he gets decked with the uh, ref hat... And Well, Atsushi hits Terry with the ref's hat because yeah. it came off. Yeah. And then he DDTs and power bombs Terry.
1: And Terry's knocked the fuck out. And
0: Terry's out in the middle of the ring. And there's, this is when... We're down to a minute we're here. We're down
1: to a minute and it just starts screaming. Wah!
0: So Atsushi starts to walk out because at the end of this, there's going to be an explosion. And Terry's just laid out in the ring. And Atsushi's like, well, this fucker tried to like strangle me after I beat him. Fuck him. And then at the last minute, Atsushi comes in because he realizes Terry's not getting up. He's in yeah. the center of the ring.
1: And he's like, oh, shit. And
0: he's slapping his face because, like, we're, this is like a student-teacher dynamic. These are men who, in real life, like, respect each other tremendously, right? And that's a part of their story and yeah. that is fed into this rivalry. So Atsushi's trying to wake Terry. Terry is not moving, And then Atsushi covers his body as the final countdown begins. And, you know, obviously this isn't set up to where people are really going to get blown up.
1: No, of course not. But
0: surrounding the ring are these barrels that shoot these explosions... That cover the whole stage in ash and smoke, you can't see them, so it does look like the entire ring has just been exploding.
1: Yeah, it actually did this weird optical illusion where it looked like the center of the ring imploded. Mm-hmm. Cause I thought that it went down in the middle, and I was like, "Shit, they broke their ring," but they didn't. No, it was just it was, it really, was really, well, really cool. Looking. It was really
0: well done, and it was and the camera angle helps as well. There's a sad guitar solo, and that sushi helps Terry up. And Terry embraces him, and they actually express—they're—they're they're kind of carrying each other, and they—they're expressing this genuine love yes. for each other.
1: It was so sweet.
0: Also, I want to point out that Atsushi comes out to what I believe is a Joan Jet version of Wild Thing.
1: Yes.
0: That's his theme song. But they go. We go backstage, and uh, Atsushi puts his hand out for Terry, and then Terry kind of gets a little healy and goes like, "I appreciate everything you did for me out there. Thank you. I mean it from my heart. Thank you. But I cannot be beat by you. No." Next time, my rules. You wrestled Bob wire match before. You wrestle blow-up match before. Next time, teacher's rules. You understand? Yeah. As in, he's the teacher. Yeah. And Atsushi looks so legitimately heartbroken. It
1: looks like he was crying, Bobby. I was so upset.
0: And then he, and then Atsushi cuts a promo, but it's in Japanese, so we don't know what it's saying, but... It is um, what a match, what a what a what a great match.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I really enjoyed it.
1: It was really good. And
0: even talking about this now, I feel like I want to like follow this feud, follow this story. We should like look up some old FMW matches mm-hmm. and uh, trace this the story of Terry Funk in that system. I think it would be super cool. Well, we ended strong on a match that I, I loved that match. And Terry's got some more. He's got some death matches with Cactus Jack we can visit. I mean, cool. Terry Funk's the king of this shit. So, yes. And we hope he um, is he's
1: doing well.
0: Yeah, we hope he's doing well and he's doing much better. Yeah. Um, But back to Josh Barnett's Bloodsport, let's rate it. We rate pay-per-views now.
1: Oh, word. And
0: gotchas. Frank gotchas. Uh, I'm going to give this one through five it gotchas. It sounds
1: like you're saying gotcha. Yeah. Got gotcha.
0: you're going to have this 1 through 5 gotches we'll combine them for best out of 10 gotches okay i'll go first
1: okay
0: i and i respect the experimentation of this i'm kind of with you i mean i'm when it comes to wrestling i do fall back on more of the classic style i think you actually like hardcore a little bit more than i do i do but i'm open to a lot of it and i'm mm-hmm. intrigued by the different aspects of wrestling i don't and i think there's a good foundation here on josh barnett's blood sport and for their sake, I hope they're successful, because I'd love to see how this evolves. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, there's, there is there is still some growth there. And I got to say, I felt like as I was watching it, that it took me a little bit to kind of latch on to a lot of what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to give it a solid three out of five. Gotchas. Okay. I think that's a good, like, half is like 2.5, so slightly above half.
1: yeah. I'm I'm not gonna waste time saying all the things you just said because I agree with I agree with everything that you said. I respect what they're doing. I hope that it continues to grow. I'm excited to see where it goes, but three.
0: A slightly above average yeah. six out of ten. Gotcha. With
1: the hope that next time it's eight.
0: Yeah. I think it could easily start getting higher Absolutely. as well if they keep doing what they're doing. I I'm 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 respecting what's going on there, and I will always support any aspect that grows wrestling in any direction so Mm -hmm. and i think that's i think we're done so shout out we're excited for revolution i I feel like i'm my brain is now on a terry funk kick like we need to go down into that funky funk hole yeah we do and uh yeah so i love you i love you happy wrestling
1: (laughs) happy wrestling
0: Thank you for listening to Culture Rot Wrestling. We appreciate you, and if you like what you heard and appreciate it and understand how much time it takes to make a weekly podcast, then it would mean a lot to us if you subscribed anywhere that podcasts are heard. Recommend us to any of your friends that have wrestling interests, and the biggest way to help us is to leave all the stars. And a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Leaving us five stars in a written review at Apple Podcasts helps spread the word on the show, and it doesn't cost you a dime, just a little bit of your time. Any five stars in a written review on Apple Podcasts will be read on a future episode. We also have a couple more podcasts if you're interested. We do the weekly podcast Culture Rot, which is a broader take on pop culture, past, present, and future. We also have our first podcast still available called Documenteers, and it's all about documentary films discussed in our own special style. That feed isn't updated anymore, but there's still loads of content to be found there, and much of what we discussed is timeless. You can also email me for any reason at uh, show at gmail.com. Our social media game sucks, and I'm terrible at it, but if you follow me and you're not a bot, I might follow you back. But you can hit us up at at CultureRotter on Twitter and CultureRot on Instagram. So thanks again for listening. We hope you stick around. Until next time, practice super kicking your friends. <laughs>